you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett and I'm joined by a special guest. His name is Paul Ace. He's coming to us from across the pond uh, over in the UK. And we're going to get into an awesome topic today, which is how to use conversational commerce to scale and, and really eradicate roadblocks. And before we get into the main event here, Paul, welcome to the show. Super, super cool to uh, be on the show, Chris. And, you know, it was great to have you on our show the other, the other week. So uh, I thought I'd return the favor and, and give some value back to your audience as well. Absolutely. And Paul is over at AmplifyCCom.com. Uh, and what, what's the name of your podcast show? I just want to make sure we get that right. Yes, uh, Amplify to Seven Figures. So you can go Amplify to Seven Figures.com and you'll hear Chris's episode dropping in about three months' time. I think something like that, depending That's- on your list. That's awesome. And uh, your interview was really good. It was a no-brainer for me to get you on here. Let's start at the core for everybody because, you know, when I learned this and and then I realized I had a lot to learn, I still do. So I'm sure I'm going to learn something for you about the customer journey and how important important that is. Um, for the For the new person out there who's getting into online courses or coaching or training-based membership sites or the agency owner or somebody who's already moving and thinks they have a good business, but they're kind of stuck at a ceiling and they want to scale. What If we really zero in on the customer journey, what is that? Yeah, so there's a, there's a famous quote, I think it was by Martin Luther King that says, you don't need to see the whole staircase. You just need to take the first step. So we look at the customer journey in the same way. So instead of looking at it from a, okay, cool, I've got to get them from this start point to this end point, you just go, how do I get them to the next stage of the customer journey? Because what happens is when you start breaking that down, then then you can see where people are dropping off in the process and un- understanding how you can enhance the customer experience. So what is a customer journey? Well, it's every step that someone takes. Like So imagine like a staircase. Imagine the top of the staircase is where the end goal that you want people to do. So that might be a sale. It might be an upsell product. It, it could be that you're a high ticket backend product. So imagine that at the top of the staircase and then you're, that customer starting at the bottom. They've never heard of you. They never know anything about you. What are the steps that they need to get through to get to the top of the staircase with you? And then how can you hold their hand through that process so they don't go and fall down the steps or fall off the steps? Uh, and they feel like that experience of walking up the steps is like, you know, have you ever seen those piano steps that you can get? Yeah. So it's like a, it's a magical experience, right? So the, the journey of climbing up the steps is a magical experience. That's what we're looking for throughout the whole customer journey to improve conversion rates and referral business because people love it. Do we need to like get super clear on our, our customer avatar? Like if we're going to really map a customer journey, you know, I find, especially newer people, they're really focused on, okay, it's about me, my course, or my membership, you know, my content's all around sales, but it's not the full journey. So how do we, uh, how do we get started? Yeah, here's, here's a best way to know your avatar. Ask them. 
<laughs> yeah. Because the the focus what there's this disconnect between online and offline. So you see a lot of brick and mortar businesses. What would happen if someone walks into your store? You go, hey, how can I help? Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens if one someone walks into your online store uh, or course or whatever it is? They go, can I automate that? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to speak to anyone. I just want this laptop lifestyle where I can sit on a beach and money just magically rolls in. So what we look at is, well, how do we create that feedback loop, right, from the customer? So it's like, oh, why, why are people dropping off at that stage? Well, ask them. I haven't got time to go and ask every single customer uh, what why they didn't buy. Yeah, you have. You can automate that part and then take the responses in a manual way. So we look at this eighty percent human like experience, where let's have the let's use the words that we would use if you're having a normal conversation. So just think back to any time that you've sent an email out in an autoresponder. Did you write that in exactly the same way? as you wrote it, if you were just reaching out to someone normally, right? So if I were just sending you a message like, hey, Chris, listen, um, I'd love to have you on a podcast. I saw you did this and this and this. Um, it'd be great to have you on. It's very different from the way a lot of people go, I need to write in this very particular way when I write on emails. I need to sell the benefits and structure everything in this way. So we break that process down and go, how do we create the feedback loop from our customer? Where, for example, the first message, let's say someone comes to your, your site, um, they opt in to watch a webinar, and then they don't go and buy. So instead of just going, hey, you missed the webinar, or go back and watch the webinar. Hey, just wanted to see what did you think of the webinar? If, if they watched a little bit of it, what did you think of what you watched? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Or, uh, hey, I noticed you, you missed the webinar. Did something break or something not work? Just let me know. I'll get it fixed like super super simple and then what you can do from the customer support team whether that be you if you're small or, or whether you've got a customer support team on hand is then say hey take that information put that in a google sheet and then we can analyze that and then we can see what is the exact not just what are the problems or the challenges that people are facing but what is the exact language that those people are using and who are they right so then you can take more detail from that so if the customer service person wants to say Oh, cu- curious, what, what business are you in? And then then you can go, okay, fill that in. And then you suddenly, instead of going, who's my avatar? You go, well, who am I attracting right now? And then how can I position my messaging based on what those people are telling me to improve the conversion rates and improve that buyer experience? So then, then you take that information and then automate some of that. So if someone's saying over and over again, their, their number one reason is, um, we've got a client at the moment, you know, it works in the, the mom niche, 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 which I guess we got this one. Uh, so let's, let's say they work in that space. What have mum's got a lack of a lot of the time? They're coming back to you saying, I've got a lack of time. However, instead of, they might not be saying to you, I've got a lack of time. They might be saying, I'm really busy all the time. So then we use, if we went on the sales page and put in the headline that, um, even if you've got a lack of time, mums are like, I haven't got a lack of time. I'm just really busy. Right. So then, then we look at the emails that we're sending out afterwards and then we start automating objection handling videos and objection handling emails based on the exact phrasing and the exact wording that they're using rather than what we think they're saying. I love that, that. That's, that's a customer journey process. I love that. I have a saying when people ask me how to increase conversions, 
I like to say I optimize for conversations, not conversion and conversions will follow, yes. but it, it really ties into what you're talking about there. Um, is this predominantly like coming through, uh, email replies, forms, chat, uh, spoken, talking to people, if you go to a conference or just all of that, how, how do you, where do you get it all? Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. Social media too. I'll just throw that out there too. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, like any place where you can talk to your customers, go and talk to your customers. Now, yeah, yeah, if you're at scale, you might not be able to get on the phone with every single customer for 15 minutes yet. However, I would recommend at the very least having like exit surveys, right, that go at the end of your autoresponder to find out why people didn't buy and then send one as well to the people who did buy. Because yeah. a lot of the time we focus on why didn't people buy, but we also should be focusing on why people did buy. So, then, yeah, to answer that question, you know, looking at email, SMS, messenger, personal video messaging, per, uh, personal images, voicemail drops. Um, we're even looking at, we're just putting in a process at the moment where when someone buys a $37 product, then then we'll trigger an automation that manually calls that person's phone, um, like the, the onboarding specialist's phone. And it says, you've got a new person who's just bought, they're called this press one to accept. So instead of that delay of like, oh crap, I need to ring that person they've just bought, it goes straight to the phone. Yeah. So, so then they just go one, accept. Hi, notice you just purchased. And then they ask them a few onboarding questions and then make sure they get the login access, make sure they get in everything. Uh, and then we can guide them to uh, guide them to either the next product or introducing them. We've got a concierge process that we're building at, at the moment for a client as well. So then we guide that concierge process where it guides them through the whole steps of the customer journey, which is again, 80% human, like 20% human. That's Those awesome. Kind of things. I know she wrote that one down as well. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're we're going to get into conversational commerce and kind of your three pillars in a second. But before we do that, um, I got to ask for the audience and this is going to be like a broad generalization. Um, but in your experience, what is it we, we're talking about like your sweet spot, I think is really helping people at seven figures scale up to eight figures. So pretty much what that means is if you're making a million dollars with your course or your coaching program or your, your uh, info products or whatever they are um, getting to uh, eight figures, like $10 million is hard and you yes. need, you need, uh, you need help from professionals like Paul Ace here to, kind of unlock your next level of growth. There's kind of a saying is what got you here won't get you there. And in the spirit of that, if you could just paint some broad brush strokes on the difference between somebody who's making zero, somebody who's make, who has achieved the milestone of six figures, which is awesome. And let's just call that like 70K or 120K or something. And then somebody who actually gets up to a million and then, which is the seven figure, and then that really yeah. scaled out eight figure. What's the um, what's the difference there? Like, yes. what are, what have you seen in these different avatars here? So, if if you're just getting started, let let's start start at the um, start at the first stage of the ladder, and then we'll work work way up on that. So, the if you're just getting started, the first thing you want to do is just start having conversations with people. So, what? Our, our role is not to figure out and when i talk about figuring out the messaging I, I don't want this to get confused of oh but i thought that's what you do yeah but we we don't want to go okay who's your avatar let's figure out if the product has got a market fit 
So that your first role in that is is like finding a product that people want. Um, so we did this. We used to have a bridesmaids dress business, and we we started that from from zero because I'd built this Dream Wedding Secrets box, which was essentially an info product, and we sold it for twelve ninety five. Um, I think we give free shipping with it as well. So it was, it was basically, we had about seven pounds to acquire a customer and we were breaking even on that because no one else in the space was doing it. So what I was doing then reinvesting every sale and bringing them into a Facebook community. And then we had three and a half thousand brides in this Facebook community. And then we did a poll and we just went, what do you want? Ask them what they want, give it to them. So they said, we want bridesmaids dresses at a reasonable price. And then we built a whole business around that because we'd built the community first and then ask them what they want and give it to them. So something that's key when you're first getting started is just having those conversations with people and build relationships. And um, for example, with with us, right, we're not we're not a mass market product at all. Like we are very, very particular about who who we can fit. So we're more of a, hey, all I want to do at the start is start a conversation with people. So I've not got massive lead flow because I don't need it. I just need the right people coming through. So when they come through, I don't go, how can I, how can I sell them? I look, how can I get a response? How can I get someone to raise a hand and respond to that first message? If they don't respond to the first message, wait three hours, try a different angle. Can I get them to respond to this message? All, all of these are not sell, sales messages. They're just conversational messages, right? So it might be like, um, notice you went through the audit. Um, what did you think about your score you got? right or um hey I've questions got the resources yeah just questions 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 yeah. questions because yeah. as soon as you get the first response then everything yeah. else starts to come into play so if you're just getting started at you uh, and you're between that like zero to, to 20k a year then you want to be looking at just having the first automations of being a basic auto responder of like what went wrong or asking them a question what business are you in or what, whatever that is. So in your email autoresponders, rather than trying to do these big drip sequences and automations, just ask questions, like send three, four line emails that ask questions to your audience, get them to engage with you because here's the thing that's going to put your email uh, open rate right up and also deliverability right up. Cause then it's going to be look like, Oh wow, look at all these people responding, responding, responding. So do the legwork yourself when you haven't got the cash. So you've either got cash or you've got time, one or the other. So when yeah. you started, focus on the time piece and just put as much effort in as you can. Then when you get to the six-figure level, then you want to be uh, looking at, okay, how can I automate a little bit more of that and maybe bring on one customer support person to start handling some of that. One of the big things there is, is starting to SOP out as much as possible because the more that you start to SOP, so uh, standard operating procedures, the more... So we have a system that every, and we still want to get better and better at this, but everything in the business needs to be a system. I very rarely record an SOP myself, the team do it. So if you do something that you've never done before, you record a Loom video, that Loom video gets sent to our customer support person, um, that she then turns that into an SOP, then sends it back to the person who recorded it. So then they can error check it to make sure that it's got everything in there and then what happens is it gives you, enables you to scale faster because it, not everything is relying on you as a hub. You will get stuck at, at early six figures if everything goes through you all the time. Um, so, and then when you want to bring on another team member in the same kind of role, then you can do that because you've got you've got the SOPs there. So you just go, how do I do that? Is it in an SOP? 
<laughs> so have you read the SOP? If not, let's go and create one. So that's a six figure level where the big difference is in the conversational side of it. When you get to seven figures, then you move the conversation down the flow a little bit. So the, the amount of personalization moves down the journey. So what I mean by that is the start of it, right? You might bring on a customer service, uh, customer support team and, and expand that out and have that what went wrong email and things like that on the front still. But the owner is not going to be dealing with those what went wrong messages because they haven't got the time or the inclination to do that because they want to focus on strategic things. So then, well, where does the owner get involved in it or the CEO? They get involved further down the pipeline. So when you look at a customer journey, you want to be looking at, let's say someone's paid $500 deposit for your high ticket program, but hasn't paid the 10000 so they're stuck at that pipeline stage at the moment. So remember, we're talking about the steps with Martin Luther King at the start, right? So they've got, they're literally like two steps off the finish, but then they've just gone, oh, my foot's stuck on some gum. I can't, I can't get it off. And we're like, okay, cool. Well, how do we do that? Are we going to, are we going to uh, just encourage them or are we going to use a blowtorch? <laughs> they're soon going to, soon going to get things moving. So then we look at the personalization there of, well, what if we recorded a personal video message at that, that stage? So then we trigger uh, anyone who gets to that stage and doesn't move to the next stage after 24 hours, then the owner can go and record a personal video message to that person. So like, hey, Chris, notice you submitted your deposit, really excited to have you as part of the customer, um, have you part of our community. Uh and I, I noticed you haven't submitted the full deposit at the moment. I know you might be getting the funds together and putting all that together. But listen, if you want any help at all with that process, just let us know. We are here to help and here to support you on your journey. Congratulations, all the action that you've taken so far. And I'm looking forward to having you uh, part of this journey. Now, that little bit of personalization, then people feel understood. They feel they've got the no like, and trust. And then it speeds up the sales cycle. So that's what we do is at seven figures, we go, how do we get them to the next stage of the journey? And where can we put the owner in that that doesn't put too much pressure on them? Then after that, when you get to eight figures, then it's all about the numbers. <laughs> it's yeah. all about the numbers, right? So we have this trifecta of psychology, technology, and dataology. So the psychology is a lot of the stuff that we just spoke about of understanding the customer's language patterns, what are they using, how are they using it? The technology is then how do we leverage that to automate 80% of that? And then the datarology is, well, they dictate the decisions. So when we look at the KPIs on a weekly basis, so like what's the conversion rate on the front end? What's the conversion rate for uh, our high ticket sale? Like how many people are dropping off in the middle of that? So look at each conversion point and then where do we need to put that focus over the next seven days? And then we also understand then from a lifetime customer value, and Chris, we were talking about this before. So we just had a client go from, uh, $180 that someone spends with people in the lifetime of them being a customer to $450 in the in the course of since March. So mm -hmm. we're now July. Um, I know that doesn't make very good evergreen content by saying the dates, but it's <laughs> like, uh, what, about four months. So improving that month on month on month on month, because we know if you can spend more, more money to acquire a customer, you'll win the game, right? So if a customer's worth $2,000 to you instead of $500, then you can spend four times as much to acquire a customer and still break even. Nice. So that's what we look at. Then that seven figure to eight figure is a big difference is then how do we apply those conversational techniques and understand where we need to apply them? So it's kind of like, where's the pain? Where's the pain on the body? 
and then go, okay, I've got the perfect thing just for that to solve that pain. That's awesome. What, um, how do you define high ticket? Like what's that, what's that amount of money or what's the range for, for a program to be high ticket? Yeah. And high, high ticket, you know, it's, it's, it's got a, a bit of a weird connotation that a lot yeah. of people talk about different levels of high ticket. Personally, we're, we're looking at something that 5k onwards really is, is, is where we want to want to be looking. A lot of people call high ticket, like $25,000 plus, um we we see it as another way of phrasing it is front end offers and back end offers so front end offers you know might be 37 dollars seven dollars 97 dollars maybe even up to 497 dollars but then above that then you're looking at back end offers so the the journey is different than it is on a front end offer someone's not just going to come to a sales page and go yeah i'm going to drop five grand i've never seen you before they need some nurture there. So a back-end offer is something that needed nurture before it got there to get to that sale. Or if you are selling 5K straight off the bat without any nurture, then what you'll find is your refund rate is usually higher because you're selling on hype. What is, um for a back-end offer, high-ticket offer, what is the ideal or, I know that it just, there's different ways to do it, but what are the the best ways that are more effective to nurture and convert at the high-ticket price point? Like there's like calls, yeah, so one, there's webinars, there's sales pages, there's strategy sessions. There, I don't know. Like what what works for high ticket these days? Sure. So um, we're doing quite a lot of stuff with challenges at the moment. Challenge um, funnels. Uh, yeah. yeah. So ch- challenge funnels. So we've we've got one client we're just onboarding at the moment. That's a uh, they do a free challenge on the front. Uh, we've got another client that does thirty seven dollar challenge and. We we took their average order value from like forty two dollars to eighty one dollars within like I think it was about six seven weeks. So we were like, great, we've now got double the amount to to acquire a customer. Um, so then we look at the back end part of that and go, well, what's the best way to bring them through that customer journey? And they didn't have a sales team when we came in, and we're only just building that out for them now, um, and and just helping them and guiding them through that process, but. So we were like, well, what if we close these sales over SMS? $5,000 sales over SMS. Um, and when we we first tried this for a live launch that they had, we were like, okay, let's take the people that haven't applied, haven't submitted a deposit, haven't done anything. So they haven't responded to any of that process. What if we sent them a message on SMS to all those people? So I think there was just over 1,000 people on that list. Um, started a conversation with those people and then closed them over SMS. It was like, cool, let's give it a go. Made $75,000 over the wow. course of about three or four days <laughs> with with just having no sales calls, that was. And that was people who were in the challenge or had done the challenge? Yeah, so they've been in the challenge, but they hadn't applied for the high ticket. So we have an application and then we have a deposit and then we have a submitted the full amount. They hadn't applied. They hadn't raised a hand and said, I'm interested. And then we took those people, had the conversation with them over SMS and made an extra $75,000. So those kind of things, yeah, those kind of things are really, really effective. Bear in mind, that was only a list of 1,000 people on SMS. Wasn't wasn't crazy. If somebody's somebody's not familiar with a challenge funnel or what we're talking about here, like what is a, how would you describe a, a challenge if somebody wants to put that in front of their, main back-end offer or sale? 
Yeah, so a, a challenge is someone would go through, it could be a five-day challenge, seven-day, 30-day challenge. Um, occasional person I've seen do a 90-day, but that's kind of crazy. Um, and yeah. then what happens is each day you get you watch a Facebook Live or you watch something in a member's area um, and then you get homework or actions to complete. And then um, each day it's bringing you further towards the goal that you want. And the, the psychology and the strategy behind a challenge is to break through people's limiting beliefs in a drip fed format, uh, where over the course of the first two or three days, you, it's all about the mindset side of things because you sell people what they want and give them what they need. So you sell them the fact of, hey, this is the outcome that you want. First two days of the challenge, you sell them about all the mindset side of things and then then we go into okay here's here's how to take the next stage of the journey so then when you get to the last day of the challenge you can pitch your high ticket offer and they're already already pre-sold so you've already took them down the customer journey so imagine it like the jeff walker product uh product launch formula but done just in a different format or imagine it like a webinar that's broken up over the course of five days or seven days that's cool and if if we're looking at a customer journey, what what might somebody put even before earlier than a challenge? Yeah, so you you know we're we're experimenting at the moment, for example, like doing a a day one preview. So it's a it's a sales video, but at the same time, it gives them like such a strong tangible that then they look at it and go, okay, well that process works. I can I understand the concept. And then they start to sell themselves on the idea. Another way you could do it is lead magnets. Um, quite often the the challenge does become the front end, but then just looking at different ways we can do that. So at the moment, I think we we've got lead magnets, we've got day one previews, we've got go and buy a get a free hat, and then we'll give you the offer for the challenge. So we're just trying loads of different things to see which converts the best, and then we track all that data to go okay, which one is creating the best lifetime customer value and the best uh, ROAS, um, ROI? So ROAS, return on ad spend, um, you know, there can be a lot of pain around that. Like people run ads that don't produce or they can't figure out how to make it positive. Uh, what, yeah. what are some tips you have around just, let's just say Facebook ads is a specific example around making a, a campaign or a strategy that's likely to have a decent return on ad spend or ROAS? Yeah, so number one thing is is track because if you're just using Facebook's tracking on its own, then... Like the pixel? Yeah, if, yeah. if, you, if you're just using that and you're not looking at the lifetime customer value, then you might have the best funnel ever but you've switched the ads off before you've even got it to profitability. So let's let's say, for example, someone on average, it takes someone five days to buy your front end product. Now you look at your ads after 25 days and you go, okay, I've spent $200 to acquire a $30 buyer. You'd look at that out the front and you go, well, that's broken. I'm going to need to switch that ad off. I need to switch that out add off but then let's say after 30 days that lifetime value with that customer because you know after 30 days they're going by your high ticket then that customer then becomes worth 400 
Now you've got a 2x ROI on your ads. But most people, when you're first starting out, are, t- are too scared or haven't got the cash flow to, to go and do that and actually understand what the 30, 60, and 90 day process is. So if you're just getting started, I don't recommend going 90 days and going, fingers crossed, let's hope it works <laughs> uh, because you haven't got the cash flow for that. However, do that in an organic way to start off with, right? Look, look at the organic acquisition channels that you can bring in. Is there anyone you can partner with? Is there any affiliates that, you know, giving them the lion's share of the cut just to understand your numbers in your funnel. So you could say to an affiliate, I will give you 95% of the front end sale and I'll give you 20% of the back end because it doesn't matter if you make any money, you've acquired a, a customer for free. Because if you know then over 30, 60, 90 days that you're going to make another $400 from that person, you'd pay 100% of the front end all day long, right? And the only reason you don't say 100% is number one, refunds, and number two, strike fees and things like that and any cost of any general cost of goods. You give people 90% on the front, you know within 30 days that person's worth 10 times more than what you've just paid out, then you're onto a winner. So do that first, then run cold traffic once you know that the funnel works rather than going plowing loads of money into cold traffic and then going, ah, crap, they don't turn into back-end buyers. That's cool. Good advice there. What uh, I noticed like when you start working with funnel and getting professional with your marketing and strategy and stuff, I see people sometimes get a little disorganized. Do you have any tips on like, like, uh, how to map a customer journey and how to like, you know, kind of visualize a funnel or, I mean, are we using spreadsheets? Are we using like whiteboards? Are we using some funnel software? What do you, uh, how do we keep all this organized without just kind of ending up in a spaghetti mess? Yeah. So, so <laughs> the first thing we do when we go into any business is map out the customer journey. So what so, do you do that in? Like what kind of tools? Yeah, so we use, we use Funnelytic. We use Funnelytics a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, and when I say map out the customer journey, most people would just go and map the funnel steps, right? So they just go, okay, they go there and there and there and there, and then that's the end. We go, what is every single email, every single SMS, every single, every single communication point that is going on in that customer journey, what are you already doing? And then we go, well, what's working? Okay, that's working. Great. We'll keep that one. Well, uh, that one needs amending. The positioning of that one isn't positioning the sale. Um, and then we go, we find majority of the time, there's only text blasts going on if they are doing any SMS. There's no conversational SMS going on. So it might be like, hey, join today. And that's about it, <laughs> right? Rather than how do we position that in a more conversational way that we can we can guide people to the sale. So then we go, okay, well, where could we put SMS? Where could we put voicemails? Where could we put personal video messaging? And then how can we how can we then improve that customer experience down the whole journey? And then, for example, if you're looking in Funnelytics, if you've got, let's say you've got a 15-minute sales video, right, on a page, and then you look at the analytics on that and the average time on that page is five minutes, you've got a problem because yeah. <laughs> no one's getting to the pitch. Um, and it's the same when you actually look at the video analytics. If the average watch time is four minutes and no one actually knows what the offer is until you get to 15 minutes, then you've got a problem. So you either go, how do we make the front end part of it more engaging to get them to the 15 minutes? Or how do we make the video shorter so they see everything? There's, there's You've always got one or two options there. So yeah, that's the mapping of the customer journey is understanding every single communication piece that is happening 
and then yeah in terms of project management we use monday um and then we'll we'll have like a, a set process of everything that they go through and then from a client perspective in terms of the onboarding um we send them over a slide deck uh when they get onboarded so that slide deck goes right this is your first four weeks this is what's going to be happening this is how it's going to be happening um and then they know exactly what the customer journey is for them as they're going through our process uh, and that's really really important because then you don't end up with the the last thing you want is people going what's happening i don't i don't know what you guys are doing right now rather yeah. than every single call that you're on you've got this regular cadence so first thing we're going to do we're going to set schedule that meeting to be in the same time every week all the time so you can be updated on the progress hey if it cuts short and we only need a 10 minute call great that's fine we can enjoy the rest of the day go and have a party but the the ver first thing we want to do is make sure we've got that regular cadence because and i spoke to someone else who's a facebook ads agency they said the retention went from 90 percent down to 50 percent when they stopped doing weekly calls yeah which is crazy so that's hopefully that answers for you in a uh, long way <laughs> no that's good that's what i was looking for specifics like so what i'm hearing is if you don't map it you can't manage it so funnelytics helps with that and then once you have the map you need to be able to diagnose every single step to see if it's working and that could be watch time it could be open rates it could be sales happening it's not just sales like what else do you track like as like that would indicate every success. Stage of the customer journey yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so every conversion point uh so opt-in rates uh let's say it's a webinar so we could have opt-in rate short rate uh amount of people that booked a call how many people showed up for the call how many people bought off the back of the call how many people bought the second product right every single stage of the customer journey then then we put that into a weekly kpr report as well that's red and green so if it's trending up great we're probably not going to focus on that quite as much because we know we're doing something in the right direction. Or we might look at it and go, great, what we did last week worked. If it's in red and it's trending in the wrong direction, that's where we need to focus. And then that's the focus for the next seven days. If you could uh, just propose like a simple customer journey for um, somebody who, let's say they have a course and then like a challenge, and then maybe like a membership on the back end, uh, like what, what, what could be a possible funnel flow for that? Yeah. So, uh, opt in, opt into the funnel, uh, in terms of opting to get access to the challenge, like let's say it's a free, free challenge. So opt in to get access to the challenge. Then you're going to have upsells in there, right. To recoup some of that ad spend to so the that course, could be like a VIP thing. Okay. Uh, Oh, like you're saying, a, a uh, you can do a free challenge and you can do a more premium version of the challenge that costs money. That's yes, cool. Exactly. Yeah. So those, those those kind of things of just laying laying all those things out where you, if you're going to do a paid challenge, you want an order bump on there, right? So there's some way of getting them to buy more because our order bump take rate, we tested some price points. We found $27. You hit about 50% take rate. Based on, on a challenge, like on a paid challenge? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 50% take rate on the order bump. Uh, if you put it up to $47, it goes down to about 29%. Now, you'd look at that and you go, oh, the conversion rates have dropped. Yeah, but you've made more money. <laughs> yeah. Right? So always look at, like, don't look at the conversion rate on its own. Look at the conversion rate alongside the price point. 
Because if you triple the price of something, but it only half conversions, you'd still make more money. And that's where a lot of people like are afraid to that. It's called like price elasticity, right? So like how, how far are you prepared to go in terms of the price point? So for example, we went, hey, what about if your second OTO was more premium? Can, can we put a $500 offer on there for a client? And they went, yeah, cool. Yeah, here's, here's what we could do for that. Great, that works. And then, so bear in mind, that was not an offer. There was, yeah. there was no opportunity there. So we're like, well, if 2% buy it, you know, that'll work. First week, about 2% bought it. Great, that's fine. Then we kept optimizing it and optimizing it. And then we went, well, what if we had a six pay into that? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Now we've got 10% of the people buying that 495 product off the first end product. So what that means is the average cart value is gone up $49. So that means every single person that you send to that site who buys is worth $49 more than they were before. So is it a game of, oh, how do I get, you know, target the best audiences on Facebook and YouTube? No, it's how do I get someone to buy more stuff? So it doesn't matter what they spend on Facebook because it's just going to work because you're making so much money from every customer that comes in. That is cool. That's and uh, do you have any just recommendations on if people should try a webinar for sales versus like a one-on-one call? Is there like a certain price point where, you know, one will likely work better than the other or uh, just any tips around, I, yeah, I call them conversion tools. You have like a, a webinar, you do one-on-one calls, and then like, or just a sales page and no conversion tool. Like, how do you know what you should do or should you just test everything? Um, yeah, num- number one, test everything. Yeah. <laughs> number num- number two, preference-wise and, and what I've seen that's worked uh, well is if, if you go above that 495 price point, then if you're not doing some kind of conversation or communication that's got that, back and forth elements to it, right? Whether it be a sales call or or whether it be even an SMS back and forth or a messenger back and forth, whatever that is. Or even an application form, right? Yeah. Like a like there's a you can't yeah. buy it. You gotta you gotta apply. And then that creates a conversation. You gotta apply. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can one create the conversation and two creates people. So for example, we just put our house on the market, right? Uh, and we put our house on the market and we already know there's a house that we want to go and buy. Yeah. However, I can't go and buy it until <laughs> I found a uh, found a buyer for mine. So I'm like saying to the estate agent that we signed up with yesterday, just go in, get it on the market, get it on the market, get it on the market. Now, what's happening over the course of this week? It's making me want that other house more and more because I can't have it. Right. <laughs> so the psychology is the same with the application. So if you're going to do uh, apply, and then you just go, great, you're accepted. Nope. It's not a good idea. Yeah. Right. You're going to apply. We're going to review your application. Then we're going to come back to you. It might be eight hours late. It might be 24 hours later. We don't want to leave it too long because then they drop off. However, like just that little bit of waiting time can be really helpful. We, we have the phrase remove all friction, then add the friction back in. So remove all friction to see what the lead flow is, how, how you can get as many people through the journey and then how do we qualify more through the through the journey by adding the friction back in? So we did this with a a, a client last year, which was 
um, really surprising. So he was, he it was costing him two hundred and fifty dollars for a book call. So it was like a twenty minute VSL, and then then they were putting him to a, a book call, two hundred and fifty dollars. We went, how could, how much friction can we remove? So we were like, remove that page, remove that page, remove that page, uh, remove the amount of questions that they have and everything like that. We took the book call cost down from two hundred and fifty six to forty six in three weeks. So. And then we then we went okay great we've removed it down now let's start putting more questions back in and more friction more behavioral tasking throughout the sales process to get them to take more action before they get on the call with us so remove all friction then add it back in i love that and that's actually a really good strategy around pricing too like you mentioned price elasticity if you have yeah um if your product's newer you know you can discount it and and then keep testing the price points and then even go higher after you've been established for a while uh price is friction steps is friction um i don't know what are what are all the different types of friction would you say that uh <laughs> that you could remove to just test a concept so there's a there's a book that and the best ways to understand what friction you could remove or or what you could do to optimize a journey there's a book called Da Vinci and the 40 Answers. And here's the great thing. It's free. <laughs> There's yeah. only 40 ways in the world to solve a problem. That's oh, this it. This is cool. This is cool. This is a learning audience. They're going to love that book recommendation. I've literally never heard of that book before. You, you probably won't have. So I, I went to an event in, in Austin. It's a, it's a secret place. Uh, yeah. I won't even say the name. Of it. <laughs> uh, however, he was one of the speakers there. And we, we got the whole day with him. We start drinking wine at 8 a.m. in the morning um because it helps with the creative juices uh, everything is like designed in a perfect way for learning um yeah. even the way like they have the curtains and stuff so um the guy who spoke he was the youngest chief engineer at nasa 31 years old chief engineer at nasa so this guy's like pretty damn smart and there's something called da vinci in the 40 answers where he wrote the book on the 40 ways to solve a problem so what happens is when you look at problems in these different ways is over time, then you start coming out with stupid answers or funny answers, because what do we do, right? We exhaust all the normal answers that we could come out with to start off with. So it'd be like, let, let's take the, the friction thing. So you just said like, uh, you know, change. What, what could we, let's ask the question. What could we remove? Price points, steps, uh, uh, having to talk to somebody in order to get, in i don't know there's three right so we could remove the sales team we could remove yeah. we could remove the uh that the high price yeah we could remove a step right they're all the generic things now what happens is if you do that in a brainstorm situation because we did we i remember we did this um and there's like 15 of us around this whiteboard and we're just writing it all down writing it all down and then it gets about 15 minutes in maybe, maybe sometime sooner and everyone just goes what else what else what else and like no i've got nothing left got nothing left you have a silence in the room for about two or three minutes and then someone just comes out with the most stupid idea <laughs> and it'll be like what could we remove remove the wallets what do you mean remove the wallets i don't know i just thought and then everyone's like has a little chuckle okay well how could we and then you go back to the stupid answer uh and it's like what could we remove i don't know uh remove the funnel um okay how would we do that 
right? So then you start asking these different questions. And then, like I say, there's only 40 different answers. I, I Like that's a that's like three days of training and I, I still haven't got them all ingrained in here. Um, but like just that one, if you just ask that question, what could we remove? Uh, or the opposite, what could we add in? Right? And then all the things that you could add in, like, I don't know. And then you'll end up with something like a trip to Hawaii. A gift box in like, the mail. Yeah. 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 How could we do that? I don't know. What could we add in? I don't know. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> free right? free and then Shawshank the, you, Redemption. The more more... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you could be like, well, what about Cameo? What if we right. could get, we couldn't have Morgan Freeman, but we could have a Morgan Freeman impersonator on Cameo or something that sends a video to every person who buys. Or we buy his training on Masterclass right? and send it to people. Yeah, you just build on of each other. Yeah. You you build you build on it and just see just see where it goes. So I'm encouraging our team at, at the moment because we were like, hey, we're starting to look at problems in too much of a technical way. Or we're, we're, you know, and then we realize sometimes it's a simple answer. So I was like, what I want you to do over the next seven days as, as a team is write down all the things that we did try, and then what thought process we used to do that. So one of the ones we used today was a side-by-side comparison. Okay, let's see what's working over here. And then what are we doing differently over here? Why is that tech thing not working? And then when we did that, we realized we didn't even need to solve the problem because we only needed to flick one button and it all worked. But there was nothing, no information anywhere that you could do that. We had to find it out. So when you look at problems in different ways, then you can improve your conversion rates, right? All links back to the same thing about the customer journey. Like, just look at the problem differently and then you can remove the friction and everything. I love that. Dare to dare to make mistakes or fail, but also be, give yourself permission to be creative. The book is called Da Vinci and the 40 Answers by Mark Fox. So check that out. Uh, yes. Paul, you've been a legend today. He's at Amplify. <laughs> ccom.com uh any final words for the people if someone's listening to this and they're like you know what my course is doing really good or my coaching program and i'm really in a perfect fit kind of scale up phase what would you say to that person how could they connect with you or what uh what how could you help somebody like that yeah so we we've got a seven figure audit launching in the next few days so you can go through your business and go through all those things that we spoke about and basically go through the checklist of like, what is my score? What am I missing from getting to the next level? So if you're at seven figures and you want to get to eight, then great, this audit will be for you. If you want to get to seven figures, then great, this audit will be for you. So just go go through and you'll be able to check off what that is. And and obviously there's some processes behind that as well, where we then we can have a conversation over SMS or over email about your results. And if you want to book a call off the back of that, great. If you're the kind of person who's an action taker and is like, listen, everything you just spoke about, we need in our business, like yesterday, um, we're, we're missing out on burning so much money right now, then just go to amplifycecom.com, click uh, just under the video at the top, watch that, and then click book a call. You can book a call personally uh, with me. And uh, if it's a good fit, we'll, we'll do something together and make some magic happen. Paul, thank you for coming on LMS Cast. I really appreciate it. It was fun to jam with you today. You dropped so many nuggets for everybody listening. And if you could just plug your podcast before we sign up again, if you're listening to this in your earbuds, go to this podcast next. So go to www. 
amplify to seven figures.com or search on iTunes amplify to seven figures. And you will soon be able to see the wonderful legend that is Chris Badgett on there too. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming today, Paul. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Chris. Have a great day. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.